Alright folks, welcome back to the Cardboard Herald. My name is Luke, and today I am being joined by Keith Matejka. Keith, how are you doing, man? Good, how are you? That's another day, I can't complain. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) It's always good to catch up with old friends. It's been a while, hasn't it? It has, it has, yeah. I want to say the last time I saw you was Origins last year, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I'll be there again this year, so feel free to stop by. Yeah, Hopefully I'll be there. I have to reach out to some people to make sure that that's a thing that's going to happen. Um, what what week is that again? Do you remember? I'll look it up for you real quick. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's at the beginning of June's. Uh, sorry, in the beginning of uh, June. Uh, yeah. I should know this. It's um, the internet is not failing me yet. Uh, June twelfth through sixteenth. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I should be good for that. It's there's so many conventions. It's so hard to keep track of it all. Um, yeah, I know uh, PAX East just happened like in my backyard over in Boston. I just right. I just don't have the time to do them all. And I'm sure you especially are very frenzied by all the scheduling and whatnot. Yeah, I try to kind of you know plan out my year at the beginning of the year, or, you know, in the fall, and then and then I kind of focus. I tend to just focus on the next one on the docket, right? So mm-hmm. um, I think I did like 10 shows last year. Some of them are smaller, like local stuff. Um, but the last thing I was at um, was Gamma in uh, Reno, which is kind of a retailer, distributor, publisher kind of event, not really kind of consumer focused. Okay. Um, and the next one is ACD Games Day, which is ACD is a, distri- a board game distributor, which actually happens to be here in my hometown, Madison. So it's really easy to go to. And that's a very similar show in which you're kind of talking to retailers and distributors. But then after that, um, I've got Nexus in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and then I've got uh, Origins and Gen Con, and uh, I'm uh, I'm planning on going to Essen this year too, so it's for the first time. So that's kind of a big deal, figuring all that stuff out. So oh I've yeah, never, I've never been to Ger- I haven't been to Germany before, so that'll be a that'll <laughs> be a cool experience. That's definitely one of the things on my bucket list to like go particularly to Germany for a board game convention because it's like that's the place to be for a lot of like you know. The, the heavier Euro stuff, if I understand correctly. Yeah, I mean, Essen is the biggest board game convention in the world. Uh, I mean, if Gen Con is like 60,000 attendees, um, Origin, or sorry, uh, Essen is 120,000 attendees. Oof. Like, they've got like seven convention halls. Like, it's, um, I've never been, but from what I've, what I've heard, it's like, you know, it's hard to imagine unless you've been there before. And it's definitely kind of a consumer-focused one, so there's lots of families that go to it and there's a, it's kind of a big deal so uh i'm excited about that oh yeah for sure i can't imagine trying to find like a specific booth with between <laughs> seven convention halls yeah, let gotta... me just take a hike like two blocks <laughs> down <laughs> yeah it's uh you gotta, you gotta get the map out for that one i think yeah so, um, what uh, what releases are you looking at this year in particular? Are you looking to launch any titles at uh, any of these conventions in particular? So, um, you know, since I went full time last year, I've kind of upped my game in terms of how many titles to come out every year, mm-hmm. from being like one or two to three or four. So, this year, um, I've got uh, Dual Powers Revolution 1917 came out in January. Um, two-player, one to two-player, 25-minute game, um, getting really good reviews. Um, and then the, t- the things coming up uh, for Gen Con 
2019, I have two games in the lockup universe, or sorry, in the role player <laughs> universe, right? Uh, one is lockup, a role player tale, and the other one's cartographer, is a role player tale. So these are kind of both games that are in the world of role player, which when I was originally designing role player, I didn't really think of it as a world, but um, over the years, it's kind of started to develop into one. So we've been doing a lot of kind of world building over the last few years. Um, uh, lockup is uh, a I, d I did not design it from a designer named Stan Kordonsky. He's from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You might know him from a game called Dice Hospital. Okay. Uh, he's got a handful of new games coming out. Uh, one is Rurik Dawn of Kiev, which was is coming out Gen Con or a little bit later. Um, mm -hmm. And that's a like a dudes on a map kind of action, uh, auction selection weird. Uh, it's got some new mechanics to it, which is really interesting. Um, and then he's got. Uh, a game from uh, Tasty Mistral called Impresario coming out. Okay, and okay. a handful of other ones. So uh, Stan is a definitely an up-and-coming name worth uh, noting. And so Lockup is a one-to-five-player, 90-minute um, game where you play as the minions from Monsters and Minions, and you're all locked up in Culbic Prison. Um, takes yeah, and uh, there's different areas of the prison that you're uh, that you can put your your crew into. And all your crew, your kind of workers, have different uh, values for their strengths. And you put them out in these different areas. Some of them face down, some of them face up. Um, and uh, it kind of works a little bit like Stone Age, where you can put as many as you want you know, in an area. But once you've played there, you can't play there again that round. Mm -hmm. um, and then, um, then they resolve. All the rooms resolve. And so you're gathering resources. You're making your crew more powerful. You're uh, trading in those resources to hire additional goons, which are... You add them to your crew, and they've got uh, victory point conditions at the end of the game, and they have immediate benefits as well. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, you can build contraband items in the in the cell block. And uh, and uh, the interesting piece about it is that because some of them are face down, you're not sure exactly how much someone has decided to put into each area, and the people okay. who have the highest strength in that area are going to get better rewards. So um, it has a little bit of feeling of like it's kind of a weird cross between. Um, like worker placement and like auction like so you're kind of putting your workers kind of feel like a, you're bidding sometimes but mm -hmm. uh, the interesting thing about it is there's this idea of suspicion so there's a limited pool of suspicion and different areas have a different amount of suspicion from the guards and the people uh, who have the highest strength in an area who have um, in an area that has suspicion then those people are going to get that suspicion which is not a good thing um, right because when you run out of suspicion from the pool, the people with the most of suspicion uh, start losing points. So you're trying to get the best stuff, but not like, not too. You don't want to be too good because you don't want to um, get too much suspicion. But you can try to, you can avoid your suspicion. You've got a special unit called the lookout, uh, which can make you ineligible from getting that suspicion. So that's another interesting piece. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's got uh, a, a, a pretty wide variable setup, so every game feels different, and uh, it's it's a good one. It's kind of um, I think it's a good entry point for people who are uh, interested in kind of Euro games, like maybe some worker placement mm -hmm. and have, uh, and like maybe like Stone Age isn't really their jam. They're not really into, you know, uh, you know, Neanderthals and stuff and want to <laughs> hang out in a, in a fantasy prison, uh, lock up's a game for you. So, um, there's that one coming. Mm-hmm. And well, then I, I gotta say, like, I love the idea of playing as the bad guys for a change. <laughs> yeah. Like Always. it's, it's so infrequent where the game tells you, yeah, you you should be the bad guys. You should be that person. <laughs> right. Um, and I love the art style too. Is this the same individual who did the art for role player? 
So um, his name is Lucas Ribierto, a Brazilian guy, super awesome artist. Um, he did 99% of the art in this game. Okay. He did uh, he did a lot of uh, role player monsters and minions. So he, for if you're familiar with that game, as I so as I know you are, mm-hmm. um, he did all the all the minions. He did all the most of the market cards. Um, the stuff he didn't do in Monsters and Minions are like the cover and the monsters and like the character portraits on the classes. So he did about half of Monsters and Minions. He's done all of this game, okay. um, except for uh, there's like a little mini mini expansions, like a, a, a kind of a advanced setup cards that are in uh, lockup that allow kind of different starting positions mm-hmm. at the beginning of the game. And those are called traits, and they kind of use some of the artwork from uh, role player and role player monsters and minions. So right. some of those okay. original cards were done by John Ariosa. So John has some art in this game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, drum roll, uh, the next one, the other one that's coming out for Gen Con is uh, Cartographers, a role player tale. So um, where Lockup is a box game with a beautiful board, um, and that comes in at a $50 MSRP. Uh, Cartographers uh, comes in at a $25 MSRP, so it's a much smaller game. Um, but it is a map drawing game, so um, I like to affectionately call it a flip and write. It seems like the, the the, the the standard of what these types of games are called is, mm-hmm. is evolving. Uh, so it's like a roll and write game without any dice, so I call it a flip and write. Uh, those, uh, some people like to use the word flip and fill, which I, I, don't, I don't like, so I, I call it something else. Um, and uh, so basically, uh, in this game, everyone has their own sheet of paper and they're drawing a map. So uh, these cards get flipped each round. Uh, and it tells you what uh, like kind of Tetris shape you're allowed to draw, like maybe between one or one and two different shapes you can draw. And you draw a terrain inside, so either it's a forest or a water or a village, um, and you're you're drawing these things on your map. Um, you have four scoring cards that are available at the beginning of the game, which tell you how you're going to score the entire game. So that's all open information. There's 16 different scoring cards, and you're going to play with four at any given time. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end of each round, you're going to score two of them. So at the end, there's four rounds in the game, which are the four seasons. Um, at, at the end of round one, you're going to score spring, which is like scoring cards A and B. And that could be uh, that's going to be two of the four scoring cards that are set aside for this game. Um, anyway, so you've got your goals to hit. Uh, and some of them are like um, get points for having trees along the outside of your board of your map or um, get points for having water next to a mountain or something, because there's five different mountains uh, spaces kind of pre-printed on your board. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, a card flips, you're drawing. Um, and that happens uh, over a certain amount of time, and then you score uh, your two scoring cards. Um, you can also get coins over the course of the game, uh, either by uh, in- encircling a mountain uh, with the terrain, with the shapes you've drawn, uh, which lets you mine it, uh, so you get a coin. So that's going to give you a point at the end of each round. And then the, the last bit is um, ambush cards. So uh, in that deck of cards that flip that tell you what to draw, uh, each round, a ambush card is shuffled in, mm-hmm. and when that card flips, uh, you you take your your uh, map sheet and you pass it to your neighbor, um, and then they get to draw like monster terrain on your map in the shape shown on the card that was uh, flipped, and then then they pass it back. So at the end of the round, each uh, empty space next to a monster uh, terrain is worth a negative point. So. Your buddies are drawing monsters on your board, and you're trying to like enclose them before the end of the round uh, to avoid getting negative points. So uh, you're trying to hit your goals, you're trying to get lots of coins, 
you're trying to minimize the damage that the monsters are doing uh, at the end of four turns. Uh, you, you you add up your final points and see who's the best cartographer. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, as you know, and for those of you who aren't aware in the audience, I have a copy sitting in front of me right now. Uh, uh-huh. Our review will either already be up when this recording goes up or it'll be going up shortly. Uh, spoiler alert, I love this game. Uh, <laughs> easily one of my favorite, quote, roll, roll and writes. <laughs> right, um, right. Flip and write is definitely a good, uh, or, uh, yeah, flip and fill, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, I, uh, so... It's funny. I'm actually doing development work right now for Deepwater Games, but I gotta say this. I think this system really takes what Welcome to does and you know transforms it in a very fun and unique manner. Where I I love it just as much as Welcome to, which awesome. like it's just uh, it's, there's such cool mechanics about it. Um, I love uh, the the player interaction in particular with those um, ambush cards. I think is yeah. really smart and. Uh, for those of you who are worried, can this game have solo play with, you know, player interaction? Yes, it can. Uh, there are specific mechanics on the ambush cards that allows you to do that. So I've played this a ton solo as well as with other people. Awesome. And um, fun fact, the bear, bug bears are the worst. I'm trying to remember which one that was. That's the, that, um, the that, two that's... lanes with the emptiness in the middle. Oh, yeah, like the equal sign. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they are they are the worst but um yeah so it's it's interesting i think it's really interesting or uh, uh i really like the fact that there's some interaction a lot of these kind of games have are really low in interaction so mm-hmm. uh this one kind of uh includes that which i think is a nice thing um and then if you're if if you're like a um you know if you're if you don't like player interaction at all uh you know there's still a good game for you there you can always like just not use the ambush cards and then it's still a fun game yeah, absolutely. And um, the idea that the variance on how all of the goals score, I think it's just a really smart way of doing it, that where in the first round, A and B will score. and right. But then you have to keep in mind, A is going to score for the last round as well. Right. Whereas B, while you may be focusing on it, is only going to score for this round and the next round. And then after that, it's dead to you. It's gone. Right. It's never coming up again. And I think right. that really makes for some interesting choices in terms of how you play the game. Um, yeah. I also like the fact that, like, um, I know, obviously, you play a fair amount of solo games, um, mm-hmm. is that you can play with as many players as you want, right? I mean, yeah. obviously, when you get to high high player counts, it's kind of hard to see the card. Um, and then in the middle <laughs> of the table that everybody's drawing from. Um, but, you know, there's no the only limitation of how many players you have is just how many sheets you have and how many pencils or pens you have. So, um this game uh, it will come with four pencils, uh, although a lot mm-hmm. of <laughs> roll and write games don't don't actually, uh, which I was uh, surprised to find out. Yeah. Uh, and you know we've we've talked about like getting a a projector and like projecting it, uh, the the drawn card on the on the wall and you could have like you know 50 people all in the same room drawing or whatever. So um, yeah, I also like because uh, it's it's good for it doesn't matter how many players you have, so it's it's really nice and um, you know and a lot of I also think the artwork on it, I mean, <laughs> I'm a little biased, but I, right. I think the artwork on it is really good. So it's the same artist that did all of Lockup. So mm-hmm. um, Lucas did both of these games. Um, he's, he's a busy guy, um, and he's been doing a lot of role player stuff for me. So, uh, yeah, that's that's it's that one's coming out at Gen Con. Uh, and I'm, so this is the first title that I've done that I'm not doing through Kickstarter. So yeah. um, I'm taking, I'm just 
basically, I was just going to release it at Gen Con and be like, hey, here's a sweet new game and, <laughs> and, and go through distribution. Um, but, you know, I showed a couple pieces and people wanted to pre-order it because they wanted to kind of lock in their copy. So uh, I eventually started taking uh, pre-orders on my website, which are still live today mm-hmm. and will be the, up to Gen Con. And then they'll just turn into regular orders. Um, and then um, as an incentive, if you're if anybody's interested in pre-ordering cartographers you can order it from my website at www.thunderworksgames.com and you can either pick it up at gen con or you can have it mailed to you and it comes with a, a eight eight card nine card uh mini uh, let me let me check here one i want to say it's three, eight four, plus five, the roll, rules card yep that's right eight plus the roll cards the skills mini expansion which yeah. i gotta say is really smart um <laughs> let's talk a little bit about it um so for those of you who aren't aware, basically how it works is the coins that Keith mentioned you get in the game. With these bad Larrys, you can spend them on different skills that you would find in the traditional role player games. Um, but those skills are going to do different things for you on the map, like uh, give you extra placements on your turn or um, allow you to um, fill in some spaces next to enemy spots so you lose less points at the end of the round, stuff like that. Uh, which are really intelligently implemented. Um, yes. Now, yes. if I'm looking at this right, uh, Jordy Aiden was the one to design the game. Is that correct? Yeah, so Jordy designed it. Um, he uh, He's out of Brazil. He designed um, also a game called Rolling Ranch for Thunder Griff Games. Oh, okay. So he's, got a, you know, he's got his foot in the roll, roll, and, roll, roll and write uh, world. <laughs> um, although he just took a job at Simon, uh, so I don't know how many more uh, roll and writes he's going to be doing for me. Um, oh, but uh, Jordy did a good job on this game, and um, it's, you know it's interesting how small this industry is. So the the guy that does my most of my graphic design, mm-hmm. um, he's also has a publishing company in Brazil, and he he basically said, "Hey Keith, I f- found this cool game. I signed it for Brazil. Do you want? Are you interested in getting the license for the rest of the world?" Mm-hmm. I was like, "You know, I know this guy. You know, he's published stuff before. We have similar tastes." So I was like, "Well, let's take a look at it." And I was like, "This game's awesome." So yeah. Um, Jordy had taken it so far, um, and then uh, I handed it off to uh, John Brieger, who's uh, out of California. He uh, he's done some development work for me, and uh, he's got a couple of signed games that haven't come out yet. But um, he's been doing develop. He did development on, it, and so he designed uh, all of the skills expansion, and then he also did a, quite a bit of work on the single player, as well as kind of just general development, like tweaking numbers and and moving icons around and stuff. So. Um, you know, obviously, I, I worked with with uh, John on that one, but uh, definitely John deserves a lot of credit for the work that he did and uh, Jordy's original design. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing about the skills expansion, that, which is cool, is like, you know, you're getting these coins, which are points that are at the end of each round, and you can activate these skills once per season, so that's four times per game, and three get flopped at the beginning of the game from the deck of eight for, that are available that round, or that game. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, they just kind of break the rules of the game somehow, and sometimes, sometimes you just really need to break that, that a rule to, um, to uh, you know, get, get that meet those conditions on a on a scoring card. Um, but you're you're giving up points to do that too, so it's an interesting uh, decision decision point for players and adds variety. You know, the game already has a bit, quite a bit of variety. I feel because even though you've got these four different scoring cards uh, in four different categories, there's like a forest one, a village. So there's four villages, four forest for water slash farm and for kind of pattern and mm-hmm. you pick one randomly and then you mix those four up and you put them down randomly so you kind of got two two different layers of randomness to figuring out the starting setup and now if you add the skills um you got different ones in play every game so 
there's definitely a bit of replayability in the box. Well, and also you have the two different boards to play on. The one right. that's just the flat planes, and then there's the one with the wonky chasm of death <laughs> in the middle yeah. of it. Yeah, the wastelands is and the um, the wilderness sides. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely the, the one side is kind of more beginner, and the other one is if you want a little bit more of a challenge, there's a big hole in the middle that you're, you're, you can't place anything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's cool. Anyway, Cartographers, $25, pre-order with the mini expansion coming out in August. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Uh, It's one of the games that I'm going to be keeping on my shelf, which is a rarity these days considering how much stuff there is coming out. So I'm really excited to be playing more of this. Cool. Yeah, so those are the two um, games I have coming out for Gen Con in August. And then uh, I have a the fourth game for the year uh, is Skulk Hollow, and that is was on Kickstarter last year. That's a game I designed, but I, I'm not publishing. Uh, Eduardo Braff at, um, at Pencil First Games is publishing that one. You know, Ed and I uh, are good friends, uh, and kind of uh, it's an interesting story. So he asked me to work on that game. Um, I still had my full-time job. Um, Role player hadn't really blown up yet. It done fairly well on Kickstarter and was was doing fine. And, and Ed had um, came to me with this idea that his kid had, and he said, "Hey, do you want to you know pick up the design work on it?" And and but you don't have to worry about the publishing part of it, which is honestly, publishing is probably ninety percent of the job and ten percent is the design. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I was like, sweet, I can make another game and I don't have to do all this work and I can just kind of explore cool ideas and somebody else gets to handle all the all the tedious hard work stuff. Um, <laughs> and in the meantime, you know, I, I got a um, I, role player seemed to do really well, especially with the expansion and I quit my job and um, but I was still on the hook to do this one. So but Ed and I, we get along really well and it was fun to um, work with him on that. So it's a Skulk Hollow is a two-player only game it was designed to be two-player from the start it, it did pr- fairly well on kickstarter did about one hundred sixty-one thousand, and it comes out in august or september uh the core idea is if you've ever played the video game shadows of the colossus it's inspired by that one person plays as this giant beast there's four of them in the game they all play very very different they all have different powers they all, all have different awesome meeples they have different wind conditions and they're battling um a group of fox and heroes so the foxes are uh, on the other side of the board, they're played by the other player, and there's like a uh, there's a knight, there's some knights, there's some rogues, uh, but they're little foxes and little fox meeples, and they play on a <laughs> three by three grid that's at a 45 degree angle, like um, Lord of the Rings: The Confrontation, if you ever played that game, which is yeah, I actually um, I have the deluxe edition on my yeah. shelf, one of my favorites. It's, it's a good one. Um, I love Kinesia. But anyway, uh, it plays at a 45-degree angle like that. And uh, the thing that I like about that 45-degree angle is that, you know, coming out of the gate, if you're on a 3x3 grid, you're forced to move towards your opponent, right, no matter what. Um, And uh, so anyway, you're battling on this grid. Uh, The foxes are trying to um, basically kill the guardian. And how they do that is that um, most of them have to get in the same space as the as the guardian which is the big monster and mm-hmm. then they take a, a leap action and they can they jump on him and, and the foxes move to another board that represents the body of the guardian and there's obviously since there's four guardians there's four different boards in the box and they're all different configurations and you basically navigate the guardian's body hacking away at different areas which disables his abilities um and if you can kind of fill all the damage spaces on the guardian then the foxes win Mm-hmm. Um, and then the guardian has their own unique ability to win, or the n- unique condition to win, and then they um, 
I don't know what it's, uh, they also can the against the foxes. The foxes have a, like a royalty, a leader, and if kind of like the king in chess. Basically, right. if, if the king gets killed, then the guardian wins as well. So the guardian has two win conditions, and then the foxes have one. Um, and it's it's definitely like a there's no randomness in the game, so there's no dice, but you're using multi-use cards. Mm-hmm. You have two different actions. Um, I love multi-use cards, so. <laughs> um, Sometimes it's yeah. I think this and um, uh, just dual powers has multi-use cards too. I think is awesome. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it takes like uh, 45 minutes of play. It's it's a good lunch hour game. Um, you know, it's been uh, the artwork is great by Dustin Faust and it's cool. It's coming out in August September. Okay. I think I think we were trying to hit Gen Con, but um, Ed is Ed does a really good job in his productions. Like so. Um, I think sometimes they take a little bit longer than mine do, just because he gets really into the nitty gritty of making sure uh, he's doing a, a you know custom insert for this one and stuff too, which is oh, taking okay. some time. Yeah, but it's cool. Like the box you got, uh, each guardian has their own tuck box, which has their miniature and all and their their deck of cards. Um, so you're just like, I want to play as Grack, which is like one of the which <laughs> is like bare one. You just pick up the tuck box and you take all your stuff out and you know, away you go. Um, so he's he's doing a lot of extra work on that. So. Um, that one I believe is going to be forty nine ninety five. It's a fifty dollar game. You get a lot of value out of it. It's a two player only, which is uh, a deal breaker for some people. But you know, I feel like two player games are their own breed. You know, it's like there's a lot of multiplayer games that say they play two players on the box, but it's really kind of a, a half baked experience or not as balanced as well, or just doesn't do as many of the cool things as the multiplayer game does. So this one's been designed as a two player game from the ground up. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that sentiment, and I think that. Two-player games tend to be some of my favorites because they can be more tightly designed for a specific experience. You yeah. know, when you have more players, you have more factors to um, uh, stipulate for. And when you have more factors to stipulate for, then uh, things can become more chaotic. The experience might get lost in the the points or whatever goal you may have. Whereas in something that's with a smaller group of people you can more consistently convey that feeling that you're looking for, especially something as epic as like, I'm fighting these <laughs> giant monsters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so that one's exciting. Um, I've got at least one Kickstarter coming this year mm-hmm. uh, for the, the second expansion for role player, role player fiends and familiars. Um, so yeah, I mean, people love role player. I love role player. So you know, here's some more stuff. So <laughs> the um, you know, one thing people have asked for is more variety in the monsters. So there's like another uh, set of monsters that are coming with that. So that's six new monsters, you know, plus a single player version of each, which comes with its own deck of 24 adventure cards, which are all different. Um, the you know, so the first expansion for role player came with uh, boost dice, which uh, were unusual in which they go between three and eight instead of one and six, but they were colorless, so they helped you with your stats, but they didn't help you with your uh, your getting dice in your class color for points or helping you with your backstory. So mm-hmm. in Fiends, you have the opposite. So you've got uh, split dice. So split dice um, will... They, they're in two colors each. Okay. So there's one in each color combination in the box. So there's a white-red die there's a white green die there's a white black die uh and the numbers instead of going between one and six they go between one and four so you've got the benefit of having two colors but the detriment 
of uh, having low score values. So. And do you get the abilities of both of those colors then when you place it? Yeah, basically the die kind of counts as both colors anytime okay. you need it. So um, if you need it for a class color, then it counts as if a blue red die. You need you're the, you're the blue class, it can count for a blue. But if you have a, a uh, an adventure card that's asking about red dice, it also counts as red. So right, okay, very cool. And then uh, then you have the familiars element of it, which is um, you have a additional bar, like a cardboard thing that goes at the top of your character sheet that represents your familiar, mm-hmm. and it's got three new dice slots. Um, and each, obviously, there's a, a backstory style thing where you're trying to get certain colors, and then there's like a, it's called their creature's power. You're trying to um, keep their power, you know, you don't want your familiars to overpower you, so um, they actually have a low value for their power uh, target, mm-hmm. so they're going to get points if they're um, low enough. And then, um, then they each have their own special ability. So every time you place a die in your familiar, you've got your familiar's ability that kicks off. So everyone at the table will have a unique kind of attribute action uh, that nobody else has. Um, so, um, so that's going to add three more dice to your board um, to keep the play um, length uh, reasonable because with monsters at five players, things can get a little bit lengthy. Um, so instead of adding three more turns... Uh, basically, for the first three rounds of the game, uh, you're rolling out twice as many dice, so two for each initiative card, and mm-hmm. then you uh, you take both dice and you place them both, and you can choose which one of the attribute actions you want to take. Uh, so you get the same number of attribute actions, but uh, for the first three rounds, you're going to add three dice to your board. Okay. Um, what else is cool about it? Oh, fiends, right? So fiends is a thing in the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> so basically, what fiends are, they're kind of uh, small negative cards. They're going to make your life a little bit more difficult. Um, so they might say something like, um, if you get a, this the, the Fiend of Corruption, he might mm-hmm. say that uh, weapon cards cost twice as much for you. Interesting, um, okay. And they're, they're placed on the initiative row on, depending on the number of players, either the, the highest card the, or the second highest and the highest card. So if you took the highest value die, um, you, know, you really want that six or that eight or whatever, um, you're going to have to take a Fiend. Um, and you take that fiend into your area, and then you can banish the fiend um, at any time by spending a uh, charisma token. Okay. Um, uh, or uh, you can spend money, so to get rid of them if you really want to. Just pay them <laughs> off, those greedy yeah. demons. Yeah, yeah. Go back to where you came from, <laughs> or, or, or talk them into it, right? So using right. Your um, and then uh, what else is cool? I mean, there's there's a bunch of new minions in the deck, so I mean, there's the, the minion deck is already pretty big. Um, but I think we're doubling it. There's lots of awesome wow. art from Lucas on those. Um, and some of them, actually some of them are, are interesting in which they're they're kind of, right now how the minions work is that you start out with a combat die and you look at the condition and if you're meeting it, you get more. And then you roll them and you're trying to kind of hit these different buckets for different rewards. Um, there's some new ones that basically they you roll one die and you add your current uh, attribute score of a certain attribute. So it's like, you roll you know, one die and you get a four and you add your charisma to it and then that's going to drop you into the buckets instead of adding more dice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of... People have asked to actually use their stats for something um, and that's kind of a response to that. Um, I don't know. What else is cool about it? Lots. I mean, lots, I mean, there's there's just as many market cards in the new expansion as there were in the first expansion. I think it's around 30. Well, uh, and I, I think the question that's on everyone's mind, and you might have already covered this because there was a lot to this. Um, are there any new races that you can play as in this one? 
so that's a that's an interesting question. So there are um, there's five races in the no five six races in the base game. Yeah. Um, plus five in the expansion, plus the mm. Frogkin. All right, so we're sitting at twelve, and then the thirteenth is the Minotaur board, which came out earlier this year. Right. Maybe it was last year. I don't remember. So I guess the question is, do you need more than thirteen races? Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately asking you because, like, honestly, I haven't <laughs> I haven't finalized the component list. Um, I mean, I don't think we need any more, but it's not a question of need. <laughs> it's a question of how many more cool things can we play as kind of mentality <laughs> that I think a lot of people have. Right. And uh, I know uh, when I backed um, the the second expansion uh, or the first expansion, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Um, well. Yeah, Monsters and Minions. Um, a lot of people, myself included, got really invested in the voting on which races were going to come out next. Right. Um, I was a big supporter of the Bird Boys, which, for whatever reason... <laughs> I, and I know it, you're it, a big fan of that one, too. I was a fan of that. I mean, it's interesting. So the, during the first Kickstarter, I was a big fan of... I did the same thing, but people... I, I put the Frogkin in there mainly because I wanted to... Um, I had done that game, Bullfrogs, and I wanted to kind right. of bring Bullfrogs into this world, and people didn't vote for it. <laughs> I was like, dang it. Um, so then I just made it anyway, is basically where the Frogkin came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for Monsters and Minions, we did the same thing. I had the two set up at the beginning, which was the Dark Elf and the Gnome, and then I let people vote for the other ones. And so that's where we got the Wrath, the Wrathborn and the Bastia and the and Construct. The robo. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah, the other, the robot race. Um, I was not a huge fan of the idea in general, but people seem to be all about it. So I was like, okay. So we did it. And then, um, and as I continue to work on things for role player, including, uh, the upcoming role player adventures, the robot race, like, um, is, uh, it's explained how they came to this world and they play a pretty major role in the world. So like now I think the constructs are really cool, but like initially I was like, I don't know about these guys. Um, so to answer your question is, will there be new races? Um, that's just, I, I, it seems like something that's ripe for stretch goals. So like, sure. um, you know, the amount of design work to design a new race is next to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like getting the artwork done and, and seeing if it if the price point on the box makes sense to include uh, more races. Yeah. Um, if people want some races, pluses and minuses next to some of the stats. Right, right. Um, I mean, I've got my little spreadsheet of what they all are and, and where, you know, where there's some holes that we could we could fill in. Um, so, well, yeah. And, people, and going people... by the logic of the Frogkin, this time we need to have a revolutionary leader as one of the potential individuals to play as. <laughs> <laughs> right. A Russian revolutionary. Yeah. <laughs> Naturally fitting into the role player universe. We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah so if, if people want new races we'll, we'll do them for stretch goals and people can vote on them again and mm-hmm. uh, uh anything else you want to talk about not in particular man um i think we got a lot of stuff to uh chew on let's just go through uh really quick to remind the viewers uh what to expect in the coming months if they want to pre-order cartographers if they want to get a copy of lockup that kind of thing sure the uh kind of schedule rundown Dual Powers came out recently. That's available now. Mm-hmm. Cartographers is available for pre-order on my website at www.thunderworksgames.com. Um, I also released a new player board for Roleplayer, which is the Minotaur, which is also available on my web store at, at that website. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, and that will release. 
cartographers will release at the same time as Lockup in August of this year, so of 2019. Awesome. Thank you very much for coming on, Keith. I really appreciate your time. All right, man. Take care. You too. If you enjoyed this video, we have all kinds of other reviews, interviews, and recommendations via writing, podcast, and video here on our channel and website, CardboardHerald.com. Our content is audience-supported, so if you want to show your support, please visit our Patreon. Thank you so much for watching. This has been the Cardboard Herald.